All right, hello everyone, and uh, welcome to another podcast discussion for Movie Fail Dueling Reviews. Um, I'm here with guest reviewer Ari, and today we're going to be taking a look at Ridley Scott's Prometheus, which just launched last week. Um, Ridley Scott is best known as uh, one of the fathers of modern science fiction uh, with his films Alien and Blade Runner, which he released in the late 70s and early 80s. He sort of defined uh, the entire genre. Um, This return to science fiction is new, uh, and it's something that uh, has been much anticipated by the, the public, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna jump right in. All right. Um, do, you, do you have any questions you want to start off with, or do we, do we want to just say you know um, how much we we each like the movie? <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. Um, we f- feel free to to start just about your, your right. general opinion. Yeah. Um. So I I was really impressed with the movie. Um. I uh, I know there was a lot of hype uh, going up to it. But uh, maybe just because I didn't, you know, I wasn't alive when Alien came out, and you know, I'm only just now, you know, starting to realize, you know, how much influence uh, Ridley Scott had on um, the genres, you know, and realizations that I had while watching Prometheus itself. I guess I just didn't have as much hype going up to it, and uh, I thought it was really cool. I, I was I was pretty blown away. I mean, it's mostly it's just it's been a while where I I walk out of the theater and I I feel like I can't walk straight. It's just the the picture took that much out of me. I think like the last time I, that happened was when I saw some like existentially uh, very sad and disturbing anime movie. Right, right. So like two years ago. But in what in what way is it was it? It seems like it, it was like physically taxing on you. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, uh, in, in a couple ways. Um, the first was that like my eyes were tired because they just saw so much. I mean, uh, there's a I mean, a lot of films have, you know, big effects these days, really big set pieces, but I feel like there aren't as many films that now that just communicate this sense of wonder right, at what right. you're seeing. And I had that through almost the entire movie. I mean, the opening um, is like our, there's like vistas of a planet, there's there's space, and it's just like my, my jaw did not come off the floor. It's like, God damn, this is so pretty. Um and that's that's half the effects, half just how it's you know presented. Um, and then then the other part of why it was so physically taxing was this is an extremely intense movie. I, I mean, in terms of you know horror, it doesn't fall very far behind the original Alien. Um, I was gonna say, so you you've seen the original Alien though. I have. Okay. Yeah. So did you did you think that uh, how would you compare them in terms of their, I don't know, I guess their tone or their just the way they're set up. I mean, I thought they were pretty similar in a lot of respects. Yeah. Um, where you don't really, there's sort of this, you know, doom, doom and gloom sort of sensibility about the film where like, it, it doesn't feel like there's any possible like happy outcome to what's going to, like what's going on. Um, and, uh, and I feel like it, it follows a lot of the same beats as the original. Um, particularly, you know, you have the Ridley character, um, from uh, Alien and the the whole Alien series, and uh, here you have Doctor Shaw, who's a different character, but you know another redhead who ends up surviving the uh, yeah. the ordeal. Um, so I think that's interesting. Um, it, well, it, uh, it's I, it's actually been several years since I saw Alien, so my memory of it isn't quite um, up to par as as it probably should be. I probably should have. Uh, gone to see <laughs> it saw Prometheus, but I but I have seen it. Actually. It's been a while for me as well. Um, um, most, I, I thought it was different in that, well, 
Alien did, you know, did kind of raise questions in, you know, a way that only that kind of science fiction film can do. It was far more um, horror. I mean, it was far, it was much more concerned with, you know, being a horror movie. It had, you know, raised some questions. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of subtext, what with, you know, the nature of uh, the alien being so phallic and, you know, the way, you know, it invades your body. Right, right. As well as, you know, Ripley's reaction to it being, you know, a little maternal, although maybe that's crossing over into its sequel, um, Aliens. Um, and that that's cool, but Prometheus, um, while it does have horror and it's extremely intense, as, you know, as intense as the original was, it's I, I think it's a little more concerned with, you know, the overarching questions that it's asking about, you know, the meaning of life, you know, about creation and, and about trying to meet your maker. Right, right, and that was actually something I mentioned in my review. I, uh, I, I was really looking forward to this being a science fiction horror film. I, I on, honestly, I was, I was hoping it would go down the same path as Alien, and in a lot of ways, it did. Um, it, it, like you said, there was, uh, there is some. It's a an intense film, and in, and I think in a much the same way that um, the original Alien was. Uh, but the film doesn't start out like that, and for a large portion of the film, I would say like close to the first half. Um, and then sprinkled out to the second half, uh, you know, these questions about, you know, where humans came from and, and, you know, the creation of humanity and, and what makes us human and why were we, uh, why were we created, etc. Um, those questions are all brought up. And while I'm not looking necessarily for answers, I'm all for a film that makes you think. And it did. Yeah. This, this film certainly did. I, I sort of get the, the feeling that, um, that Scott sort of sacrificed some of you know, the investigation and some of the, um, you know, more context to the question, like not answers, but I think he could have spent more time really giving more context to the questions, raising more, you know, really going into uh, Michael Fassbender's uh, character, David, and really, you know, looking at that whole dichotomy of, you know, you have an android that you made in the image of man on the ship. And while some of those questions were brought up um, by David, um, I, I feel like it could have been even more so, and I felt like he left a lot of those questions out because he's hoping to pump out a sequel to Prometheus. Mm. Um, and I, it, it just, for me, like, it, it wasn't bad that it went the horror route for the second half. I mean, it really just, it, that's really all it did for the second half of the film. Um, and Alien is all horror, and it's a great movie. Uh, but I just, I felt like, it was it was almost sad for me because I'm really interested in you know the more philosophical science fiction like uh, the Forever War. I don't know if you've ever read that. Um, I haven't. It's it's excellent book, but the while while there's an alien race that they keep interacting with and like there's you know way more advanced than anything. The philosophical you know question about time and uh, you know what makes humans human and you know the lack of understanding between different cultures and things like that is really the the crux of this the storyline. Um, and here, for I, Forever War or Prometheus for the for the Forever War, okay. and and I feel like here a lot of those questions are definitely posed, not not the same ones, but a lot of you know really interesting philosophical questions, mm -hmm. and it it's not frustrating that I didn't get answers, but that it wasn't investigated or or given more, um, or even more questions weren't raised because you know more questions you know per pertaining to the android and and to you know humanity's role and everything. Uh, but I, like I said, I think it's all because Scott's planning on doing a uh, a sequel where he'll actually go into this. Yeah, I'm 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 still absorbing the ending, and like I I feel of like really split down the middle in terms of how I feel about you know 
the re- resolution to all the questions it brings up. Um, right. I mean, half of me feels just the way you do that you said, where, you know, I feel frustrated that it didn't go farther. It didn't go for, you know, more questions for more of a resolution. And then half of me feels differently. I, I talk a, a little bit about it at the end of, re- of the review. And I kind of, I didn't want to go halfway route because I, I, you know, I've read some other reactions on the film and I didn't feel like, you know, many other people were having, you know, the more positive reaction that I felt like I, I could be having, you know, as, as time goes on, I'm still trying to fall towards one side or the other. And I think, uh, it also kind of gets, gets into, you know, whether or not Prometheus is going to have a sequel or not. Right. And right. I think, I think my reaction to the ending is more positive if it's not really Scott's intention to have a sequel. I think I respect the film more if its intention is to have a sequel then I'm as annoyed as you are. Then, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... it's just like, come on, you can't just you can't just leave it out out like here. And it's and I can't really think of you know anything more than a sequel could do than to have all the answers that this film br- brings up. I mean, I feel like well, you know, these... I feel like there are more questions that could, like I said, because of the people that survive, you have Shaw, and it would follow Shaw's storyline because the storyline yeah. on that planet is what happens in Alien. Yeah. So to follow what goes on with, um. With Shaw and 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 the uh, and David the android, um, I think that that could be really interesting, and more questions could be raised. Um, you know, depending on how the plot pans out for that sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I just feel like the the cru- it feels like a crutch that um, Scott used for uh, in terms of horror because he knows that he can ace ho- you know sci fi horror is not something that he you know he knows it he's you know probably considered the best at it and so when he did it with alien and then decided to do it again for the second half of this film to me it felt like a crutch when he you know when you look at a movie even like blade runner which and as i mentioned in my review i'm not a huge fan of alien or blade runner you know personally in terms of like movies i really enjoy but blade runner approaches a lot of really interesting questions um in fact some interesting questions that are that are uh, you know, revolving androids and and their you know their soul, quote unquote, uh, that uh, that they approach in in this film. I, I feel like this movie was sort of a hybrid of of um, Blade Runner and and Alien in that respect. But I, I I feel like he could have really you know gone into depth, um, like I said, philosophically and in a way that wasn't uh, leaning on horror as as a crutch because he knew that that would work. Um, for the second half of the film, because I feel like he had other set of questions, the second half of his set of questions, and he's mm. just gonna, you know, go into that and you know whatever this next movie is. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I do feel kind of the same way. I mean, on the one hand, you know, I really, I really enjoy the horror as sci-fi horror. Oh, I mean, absolutely, absolutely, you can't get any better than how Ridley Scott does it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the other hand, but yeah, it's you know, you you do want an answer, you do want an answer to. Uh, what was raised before and more than anything, I mean, I think if I'm frustrated about anything in the ending, it's that the one engineer that we meet does not speak that he doesn't say anything. And we have no sense of what his motivations are. I mean, I I would be fine with not getting, I think I would be completely fine with not getting um, an answer as to why they created humanity in the first place. And that's getting into um, some of the uh, uh, impressions I had from the ending at first. Um, But what I really, really want to know and is really frustrating to not know is why he wanted to destroy us. Right, right. Well, and you know, I, it's no, interesting. Sorry. It's interesting with, with, that they, if, um, 
you, you might have noticed in the film uh, that they didn't caption anything. Yeah. And, and what we don't know what David said to, you know, the engineer. We have absolutely no idea if that was a, you know, uh, if, it, if he said exactly what Waylon wanted him to say or if he said something entirely different. Yeah. Um, so we or, don't even... or if he said what um, what Shaw wanted him to say, or if he said what Shaw wanted him to say, or if he said his own, you know, he has his own agenda. Who who knows? Um, so it's interesting in that respect, and I and I, I think that that's an interesting sort of um, element that he you know that he decides not to caption any of the 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 dialogue. And there's a, there's a little bit of it, you know, there's some ancient languages and things like that. Yeah. There's some of David figuring out you know what buttons to press, and none of it's okay. like captioned or explained. Um, uh, but clearly, David knows how to, you know, interpret this engineer culture language, you know, written, you know, whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, and they never, and they never really offer an explanation for it. I don't think that's a bad thing, but it, you know, it's an, it's a layer of intrigue that um, actually really interested me. Yeah, yeah, same here. And uh, it's also in terms of, you know, not something's not being explained, not knowing what's said. Um, I think it. it in some ways it also works with the horror because it's, it's kind of the same thing as nothing is scary. It's the reason why, uh, when you have an alien, you never show all the alien or whatever's trying to hide right, down right. because, you know, your mind filling the blanks is going to come up with the scariest thing possible. Absolutely. Absolutely. And in terms of like, you know, philosophical explanations or, you know, ex you know, explanations for motive, the same thing can apply that your mind is going to come up with the scariest thing. It's still frustrating in some respects, but that's another layer to it. And, um, another thought that I had was, well, the horror is, you know, sci-fi horror, and it is a bit of a detour um, from some of the more philosophical questions. I felt like it was also in line with another theme that the film was running constantly, and that was, be careful what you wish for. Because everybody on the ship had something they wanted. Um, like Shaw, you know, was, you know, everybody wanted to meet the aliens, and the aliens were disappointed because the aliens wanted to kill them. Mm -hmm. Um uh, Shaw wanted to have children and because she was infertile. And then the child she does get is the scariest child in the history of cinema. Right, yeah. Uh, and things like that. Or there's a guy who wants to stand next to his creator and he ends up becoming something like them, but it's horrifying and he ends up, you know, asking somebody to kill him. And it's all... And uh, at the same time, David, you know, he wants his father to die. And yeah, that works. But, you know, he also gets his head chopped off. Yeah, right, right, right. And it's like, again, all of it. It's all be careful what you wish for. And I think that also ties in a little bit to the more philosophical aspects of the movie, because um, how the movie starts out, it's basically, you know, Prometheus, it's this ship searching for the meaning of life. Um, or trying to find the meaning of life by, you know, coming into contact with um, this engineering race of aliens. And ultimately it's, you know, it fails because they don't really get any questions. But um, the original thought I had um, to the ending before, you know, there's maybe there's a possibility of a sequel. But if this is a one-off, if this is the only right, film right. that really Scott's going to say about this movie, um, I think he is trying to say something with it. I mean, it ends with Shaw going off into space, um, still searching for answers. And I think one interpretation of the movie could be is that there are no answers that you can't, you can't find them. You can look for them, but you're not going to get them. And, uh, right, right. I, I think that's, itself, and it's, it's a parallel to life itself. Cause I mean, the film, it's so, it's so beautiful. It's so beautifully shot. There's, there's space, there's vistas, everything, all that, and it's what really Scott's saying is that 
the journey is what's important. It's it's not the destination. Right, and I think that's a that's a that's a really um, if this is a, does end up being a one off, I think that is a valid interpretation. Um, but you know, I came to the sort of conclusion after I saw the film that even more so than the than the the the, the the genre of horror as a crutch. I feel like Ridley Scott almost relied on the franchise of Alien as a crutch. In the, in the sense that I feel like a lot of these are, you know, I, I sort of get this idea that a lot of the, the things that he's came up with that are, that are original for this film could have been a, a part of an entirely new film. You know, a third, you know, he's done, you know, Blade Runner, Alien, and now he could have done, you know, an entirely new... It didn't have to be a necessarily a prequel to... Alien, the whole engineer storyline is a totally new um, sort of thing. Uh, and the reason I bring that up is um, in that ending, uh, I actually spoke with somebody right afterwards who had also seen it. And uh, after we, you know, it, during our discussion, we sort of came to the realization that, and because, and this is all because it's within the franchise of Alien, that um, you remember when they were in, I think it was in the room with the head, and they see that, uh, they see the, the, the wall, the sort of embossed wall, and you see the yeah, with the mural, right? And you see the alien, mm. and it's like, and it's and it's the alien from Alien, and it's like carved out. It's like a, a almost a, a shrine to the mm. alien, right? Yeah. So we we sort of came up with this idea that it's quite possible that um and 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 at the very end of the film we realize that it's the combination of engineer or human, since they supposedly have the same DNA. A combination of engineer slash human DNA with the squid type creature that pr uh, creates these hybrids, and because of that shrine, it almost implies that the engineers worshipped or in some way um, were ruled by you know through fear or whatever the case may be uh, these hybrid aliens, um, the aliens from Alien. Um, and, I think the like the canonical name is uh, Xenomorph. Xenomorph, but isn't that yeah. the is that all? Xenomorph is the alien from Alien. Oh, I, th I was, I had misinterpreted it. I thought that was just the infant. Um, it might just be the infant, but, like, I mean, I, I find, like, if you're, like, you know, if you're going between, like, Alien and Predator, like, they're both aliens and Predators, but, um... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's confusing like that, but, uh, um, I, I think they, they assign, you know, an actual name to the aliens from Alien because you can't just call them aliens because that, you know, encompasses so many different Right, right. Okay, things. so fine. Um, it's just, it's easy to call them xenomorphs because, like, oh, I know what you're talking about. All right, yeah, sure, sure. All right, so the xenomorphs are, you know, being the ultimate, you know, fusion of these, whatever that squid thing was and um, the engineer or human DNA. Uh, so if, let's say the engineers, let's just assume that that, that assumption is correct, that they, some for some reason, worship these, you know, these xenomorphs that have, um, you know, let's say ruled them by fear or whatever the case may be, or, you know, maybe they attack their planet. Um, and the only way that these squid type aliens can, you know, create their, you know, the ultimate versions of themselves, these, these xenomorph characters, these xenomorph aliens, um, it, it almost seems like, and it, this might be, you know, maybe too glib, but I feel like the, the way, uh, the reason for the creation of the human planet, of an entire planet, which is just like their own, it's a water-based planet, um, that can, you know, support life just like them, you know, following their same DNA code, was to create a planet that is just simply for harvest, so that they 
are no longer the object of the alien, um, uh, you know, because they're necessary. The engineers are necessary for the xenomorphs to be created, and so by creating this planet full of humans that follow their same sort of DNA structure, um, they have an entire basically farm where they can send, and that's why they were sending that ship to Earth with all of these, you know, all those vases with the, you know, that could then infect the humans and create an entire, you know, planet full of xenomorphs so that the aliens wouldn't attack the engineers. Mm. Yeah, that's, you see what uh, I mean? that's a cool interpretation. I mean, I mean, it's, there's some questions that are frustrating because they're not answered, but, you know, right, I think right. it's a good thing that the film doesn't have to explain everything. I mean, I think a little room for interpretation is always good. Um, and like, there's a lot of, like people are coming with a lot of different interpretations right, for, right, for different right. scenes from the movie. And, you know, I think that's, I think that's cool. And I think that's something that's some, that's something to be said for the film. Um, there are a lot of movies out there that even if they're not the strongest films, you know, in terms of structure or whatever, the ones that end up, you know, managing to really generate a lot of discussion are still pretty impressive. Um, there, you know, there's a movie called Monsters, which I really enjoyed. I've, I've seen that. You have seen that? Yeah, it's the the one there. They're in Mexico. Yeah, yeah, and it's quite low budget. Yeah. I, I think a lot of the, you know, sort of subtext and stuff to that, the movie is, I actually enjoyed it, but it's not amazing. Um, it's not like a perfect film or anything, but I feel like a lot of the discussions that were generated afterwards, or um, Take Shelter, which is a great movie, but I don't think is, again, perfect, um, by any stretch of the imagination, um, offers a lot of, you know, food for thought after the fact. And I think Prometheus does, you know, a similar a, a similar thing, because, it, you know, it's not a, like I said, it's not a perfect film, but it it has a lot of, um, you know, intellectual integrity in that respect. Um, and, and for people who are fans of science fiction, I would imagine, while they might be bothered by some of the cliché, uh, they might, you know, I think they'll get a lot out of the, you know, prospect of discussing Prometheus, you know, well into the oh, yeah, future. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, was I just about to say something? Yeah, never mind, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I, I really do, do like the room for interpretation. Um, on that note, um, what was your take on the very, very first scene of the movie? So I, I've actually been thinking about that because I have absolutely no idea what happened in that first scene. Um, but I, you know, and I think that's something that it feels like to me. Well, following okay. If you if you want if in terms of uh, you know in terms of theories that go on in the first scene, I sort of had this idea that um, if that first theory that I had is correct uh, regarding them, you know, sacrificing an entire planet of organisms that they've created to you know their alien overlords, their xenomorph overlords, whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. um, seeing a ship leave, and again, this this theory doesn't totally hold water because the ship that he that the engineer watches leave in the very beginning is apparently, I don't remember, but I, I've been told that it's not the an engineer ship. It's so, not, yeah, it's not. It's like a perfect circle. Right, which is weird. Or maybe it's, a, I think it's an ellips, ellipsis. Oh, okay. All right, yeah, so I have no idea what it is, but let's just say that that is still an engineer ship, even if it's not, you know, it's a different kind of engineer yeah. ship. It doesn't happen to be in the half donut type shape. Um, that, that person that engineer has some sort of had some sort of role to play in the creation of this uh you know of of the the creation of humans and was upset at the fact that they were deciding to you know sacrifice his you know he's like sort of like uh after the manhattan project they created you know people put all their time and effort and you know knowledge into creating 
the nuke, you know, the nuke without thinking that everyone would ever actually use it. And when they actually decided to deploy it, you know, there was a huge, you know, slew of like, um, you know, uh, depression and, and suicide and things that followed the Manhattan Project. And in a similar way, I think that if you had any part in, in this and you had some sort of conscience, you would probably be upset with yourself having created this, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a that's a cool thought. Um, and that's the be- I mean, that's the best I can come up with because at the end of the movie, I forgot it had even happened, and I was like, "I how does that even play into it?" Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I think uh, you can, in terms of uh, what that that first scene is signifying, I think you can very easily split the theories as to what it is in half by whether or not it's taking place on the alien planet or it's taking place on Earth. Oh, interesting on Earth. Yeah. And um, I, I don't remember if this was something I came up with or something I, I read last night <laughs> right before I went to sleep. But um, one one theory that I heard that I really liked or possibly came up with, I don't know, was that that first engineer is Prometheus. Oh, interesting. What he's doing is he's, you know, he disintegrates himself in the water. That's what creates the human race. That's what creates life on Earth. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, it, wow. I mean, it's not a perfect theory because, I mean, there's still those cave paintings at the very beginning that they find that, you know, show them, you know, talking to aliens. So humans had to meet them at some point, whether they came back after that or, you know, a different theory is the case. But I thought it was very cool that, uh, you know, he's that person is basically Prometheus. He's not he's maybe even uh, just like the regular Prometheus himself, he's going against the rest of the engineers and creating humanity, even though they don't uh, they don't support it. Just like right. the, gods and, uh, the Greek gods didn't support it. Right, right. Interesting. You know, it's a, it's a, and me, yeah, you know, that's a, that's an interesting point. Um, I there's two things about that. The first is, you know, when you said Earth, I was like, I sort of got the impression that it was the engineer planet because it's, you know, almost it looks completely water based. There's like a lot of water, like it's a huge part of it. Uh, And it didn't really look earthly. Um, But if it's prehistoric Earth, you know, prehistoric Earth was a totally different different. landscape. Exactly. So so that's entirely possible. Mm -hmm. Um, And the other interesting thing about that is uh, you said um, you said that there were these cave paintings where they had drawn these, you know, these planetary um, you know, these, con- you know, these constellations of these, these planets and, and, and whatnot. And I, I sort of being, a um, you know, a, very interested in biology. Um, I, you know, you have to wonder if maybe it's just some genetic imprinting on these people that for yeah, some reason they, theory, yeah. you know, you have dreams about things that are, you know, let's say that, you know, why, why does this keep reappearing to me? And it's because, you know, we have the same DNA as these engineers. And so, I just draw what I saw in my dream last night or whatever, the, you know, whatever it is, you know, in my vision or whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. And um, I mean, I, the, the possibility of him being Prometheus, that, that gets in, that's gets back into um, one thing that I saw recurring, which was be careful what you wish for. I mean, another interpretation of, you know, the Prometheus myth is that be careful what you wish for, because you want humanity to have fire. Well, the guards are going to assign this eagle to tear out your liver every day. Yeah, right. Yeah. Absolutely, and um, and I think there's a lot of other parallels um, from Prometheus because I mean it has to be in the title for a reason, right? Right, um, and I don't know. Did I you? Think there's like there's several different points where you know it could apply. Um, you know, the first one's possibility of the engineer. Um, the other is you know the humans going. You know, every case would be careful what you wish for. 
Um, a different one that I, I heard from on TV trips, actually, that I thought was friggin' awesome was uh, actually the very last scene, the, the le- um, not the very last scene, but close to the last scene, which is when uh, the ship Prometheus crashes into the, uh, uh, the engineer's ship. Um, and that's because, I mean, the ship is named Prometheus. He's crashing into the ship, bringing it down. It's basically Prometheus giving fire back to the gods with interest. <laughs> interesting. Um, yeah, no, it's it's interesting that you bring up Prometheus as a, you know, as, you know, th- there's a lot of similarities in the, uh, in you know, sort of in the, in the classic mythic tale um, mm-hmm. with this, as, you, as you've mentioned. But I don't know. Did you get a chance to watch before the movie came out? There was a uh, you know a pseudo TED talk. Yeah, yeah. I, I watched it several months ago. Right. Yeah, and it was a while ago. But if yeah. you um, so for those of you who haven't seen it, it's uh, if you look it up online, it's very cool. It's TED twenty twenty three. Um, it's sort of a Goodly Scott's envisioning of what TED will be like in twenty twenty three. And mm-hmm. uh, the person giving the talk is um, Peter Wayland, who is the guy who funds the the mission to um, to this other planet. Uh, with the with the ship Prometheus, and uh, in in the talk, which we don't get to see all of, all we see is his introduction. He is very emphatic about the the idea of Prometheus um, and the tale and the myth of Prometheus. Um, you know, everything that he's done as a as an entrepreneur. You know, creating the first android that you know that's indistinguishable from a human, etc. etc. Is something that I think is uh, he you know is is clearly Ridley Scott is trying to get us to think about that. Um, especially mm-hmm. since he mentions it again right in the beginning of uh, his little message, his hologram yeah. message to the crew. Yeah, exactly. All right. Um, uh, any other points? I'd... Ooh, another thing. Uh, did you see the film in 3D? Oh, yes. Thank you for bringing that up. I didn't see it. I saw it in, in, in 2D. I saw... Um, I didn't... I totally forgot that uh, that it was even playing in 3D, so I, I just ended up seeing it in 2D. I, you said it was really good. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, I remember that you're you're not really a fan of 3D, but like, god damn, like I think this was better than Avatar. Wow, like, hands down. Uh, I just there's so much depth in each shot, and I mean, it was shot in 3D. Right? I don't think you know 3D should be a film's saving grace. It's like, well, the film was shit, but it was worth seeing because there was awesome 3D. No, right. I, the film is already awesome. 3D just makes an awesome film even better. Right, and it's just. But it was also very well done. I mean, uh, Ridley Scott is known for being, you know, a bit of a visual perfectionist, and I just felt like the three D three D brought me even farther into his cinematography. Um, and I, I, before I saw the film, I heard about you know all the all the work that he was doing on it, and like he completely designed uh, the film and all the sets so that the three D would work. He, you know, one of the problems with three D is that it dims colors, so he actually shot. The entire film well lit, um, and then darkened it in post production to get it like to get like the trademark you know sci fi horror feel. Right, right. Uh, that was just so you know it looked good in three D. And I think he also said that the three D version of the film is a little lighter, so that when you're viewing it with glasses, it has about the same amount of lighting that you know the two D version will have. That's really clever. But he also he didn't post convert it either, though. It's all shot in three yeah, D. Did not post convert it. It's completely uh, natively shot. Okay. Well, and that's another thing that really helps. Yeah. Um, like as much as I didn't like, I didn't think that three D added anything to um, Martin Scorsese's film Hugo. 
I didn't. Um, I didn't feel it, it added much either. Right, and as much as I didn't, it wasn't obtrusive. I mean, I, I it wasn't dim. It wasn't you know poorly lit because he he knew what it was going to look like after the fact. When you have a good director who comes in who really knows what it's going to look like, um, as much as I'm not a huge fan of James Cameron by any stretch of the imagination, he knows visuals, and when oh, he yeah. did Avatar. He knew what it was going to look like, you know, after the fact. So in that respect, I, I'm I actually had I didn't even cross my mind until afterwards that you know the 3D was probably pretty good in this. No, oh, yeah, the uh, I think the most amazing shot for the 3D was the the, the star map that David finds. Oh, I bet that was so, cool. that that scene was incredible. Yeah, I was you know I was watching and I was trying to think of you know something was missing and I was like oh you know this was probably meant for 3D after yeah. you know well after the fact of course but um, so that's interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. the, there was one other point that I wanted to just ask real quick and it's not um, it's not a. a a really fleshed out theory, but I'm, I'm kind of curious if you had any sort of, you know, thoughts about this. Um, the concept, uh, so you, you, Charlize Theron's character, um, is, uh, is, you know, the sort of runs the whole expedition as the, you know, primary representative of Wayland's corporation, right? Yeah. Now in the film, I had a question on whether or not she was either parts or entirely um, a machine and like an android, <laughs> and and it's and it's for the sim- for the simple fact that there's too many clues in the film that sort of point otherwise for me to not like at least question it. It might not be the case. Uh, it might be as straightforward as you know the film sort of implies that you know when she says to Will and she refers to him as you know her father that she's actually just his daughter. You know what I mean? Um, but there's a scene where she throws David up against the wall and they had already previously shown that David is stronger than a human by a lot when he opens the helmet, oh, yeah. um, which is something that, you know, a human presumably wouldn't be able to do. You could, you know, chalk it up to subservience because she's technically in charge, but he doesn't seem to care about her qualifications. You know, he's not like, you know, he, he he's running his own, you know, he's doing his own thing. Um, so... So there's that. Uh, she has very she has very similar hair to David. Um, sort of a similar, you know, she she looks sort of classically oh, yeah. good good looking and blonde and in sort of that sort of and, and that's what Shirley's throne actually looks like. But um, but in terms of you know if you want to create an, if you're the first one to create an android and you make them sort of you know you would make them look as perfect as you could. Um, and I feel like the fact that they're both these blonde characters sort of implies that that you know there there might be some sort of connection there. Um, and then the other part was, uh, in the very beginning during the hologram, um, scene, uh, Wayland keeps referring to David as, you know, pretty much the closest thing she'll, he'll ever have to a son and how he's, you know, the most important thing in the world to him and et cetera, et cetera. And every time he says that, you know, it cuts to, um, Shirley Theron's character and she's, you know, grimacing not, or not upset. Happy, yeah. Right. She's not happy. Now it might just be because he, you know, appreciated an android more than her, who's his actual real daughter you know biological daughter but you know that's you know it's just you know a different way of looking at it and the third thing was or third fourth whatever we're on um in her life support system uh which again which is the fact that it's a life support system might be because it needs to support her because she's let's say maybe not entirely an android or um maybe it's supposed to support someone else and her or it could support you know someone who needs to use it but the the medical bay thing that she has that um that Dr. Shaw uses for her surgery her you know abrupt surgery um <laughs> is programmed for a man not for a woman 
Yeah, that's that. That was a little odd. That you know, because well, how can she use it if it's if it's programmed for a male? Right. I thought it would be for Wayland, possibly, but it seems sort of like excessive for like one person. You know what I mean? Like, or at least have it programmed for two people. If you know, she gets this entire suite to herself. You know, clearly, you know, it's meant for her. So, like, why wouldn't it be able to support like female yeah. operations? So I don't know. I, it's it's totally like a shot in the dark. Um, and the fact that uh, that Idris Elba's uh, captain character ends up having sex with her is sort of neither here nor there because it's not. <laughs> I mean, if she's if she's that convincing as an android, it's you know, she's you know who knows. Yeah. Um, that that probably would be just as convincing. Just because David doesn't have sex with any of the crew doesn't mean that it's yeah. not possible. Yeah, true. Um, well, I, when uh, it came up that the the med bay was only for a man, um, I mean. I, I thought about back to that later, and I, I think it's that it's supposed to be a clue that Peter Whelan's on the ship. It's for him, not for her. Um, right, but then it's revealed like two seconds later that Whelan's on the ship. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, not it's very shortly there. You know, she has the surgery, and she immediately goes like a room over, and then all of a sudden he's there. Um, mm-hmm. Also, she was in stasis, which implies that she would need to be in stasis. Um, and I wonder if it's because let's say she's an let's let's say she's an android. Maybe it's because she need you know, her... She's the first one out of the pods, and she's already doing push-ups when everyone else is immediately, like, throwing up and, yeah. you know, is, you know, barely able to move. Um, and, yeah, she's in shape, but, you know, it's it's entirely possible that, you know, she was in... Let's say she was in stasis purely for the fact that she was, like, let's say a first-generation android and isn't as, you know, able to, you know, survive, you know, for a longer period of, you know, for two years, let's say, because she's you know, an older, out-of-date sort of model, let's say. Um, mm. So, anyway, it was just it was just this sort of idea I had after the fact. I don't know if it's accurate um, or if it even matters at this point, but I just thought yeah. it was interesting um, the way she, the way that they portrayed her character. And they bring up the question when Idris Elba's captain character actually asks her, um, you know, are you a robot? Maybe, um, yeah, I definitely see the clues that it could be going that way. I mean, I think, you know, by the end of the movie, you know, it, it wouldn't really have had any bearing on the plot if she well, was an android. Right, uh, right. And, it, you know, the are you a robot line could have been a lampshade on the, the fact that, you know, it kind of looked that way. Or, you know, maybe in a, a previous version of the script, she actually was a robot. Oh, I mean, it's there's it's it's entirely possible. And like I said, it's it, and like you like you said, like I said, it's really not a huge deal with the plot line. But I think it's interesting as in terms of the story of this movie, if she is, you know, why you know her tension with David might be, uh, you know, root, rooted in that fact that she yeah. was also a created character or a created, um, you know, an, a, an artificial person, and in that respect, she you know had a lot of jealousy of David or or you know whatever right. that that may be. Yeah. Um, what was the? Wait, oh, there it is. Okay. Um, well, another thing that I, I read was that um, Ridley Scott um, tried to make uh, Charlize Theron's character. Um, Vickers, I think her name is. Um, yeah, Vickers. A, uh, more similar to Ripley than he was making Shaw similar to Ripley because really? he wanted it to be a red. He wanted everyone to think that she was going to be the last person alive. Oh, huh. Interesting. Yeah, she was supposed to be a red herring. Was was that his ultimate? Like, was that he what he thought the final product would convey? Because I didn't really get that. Um, because it's pretty obvious that Shaw's there and that she's there. Yeah, yeah definitely. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, there's not a large period where you're like, oh, wow, she's the only one alive. You know what I mean? Well, it, it could have just been supposed to be kind of a parallel to the original Alien, because um, in the original Alien, it, it was a shock that uh, 
uh, Sigourney Reaver was the last person standing because at the time she wasn't that well-known of an actress and everyone else in the movie um, was more well-known. And like, I don't think a lot of horror movies kind of had a last girl quite like, you know, Alien did. Right. No, absolutely. And, and, and like, you know, as, as has been pointed out many times, because it's such a landmark film, they had, it was a first for many things, um, yeah. including, including just, and just plain old, you know, acing the sci-fi horror, you know, idea. Um, yeah. And then to make, you know, this, you know, relative unknown, you know, survive the events, it's pretty remarkable, but uh yeah, no, that that is interesting. I didn't I didn't realize that that was the case. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh, all right. Well, thank you. Thanks for uh, for joining me. Do, just as a as a quick wrap up, would you, um, would you say that this was a movie win, movie fail, movie definitely man? movie win. I mean, like I I think I'm going to be you know thinking about this film and mulling it over for you know another week, and you know I still see all you know the imagery in my mind, you know. Vista is the planet, you know, I, I especially like that shot of it's the planet and then the very, very itty bitty spaceship, you know, yeah, you know, yeah, no, that was another one that was amazing in 3D. Some of the cinematography was just really, really impressive. And even the framing just, you know, with oh, characters yeah. is, was just great. Um, and, and also that, that scene in, in, the, in the, the medical pod, like, oh, God, <laughs> like I, that, that was as scary as anything in the original Alien Interesting. I actually thought the, uh, I mean, that was pretty horrifying, but I was, I was sort of more, I was, I was squirming, um, when the first, uh, the first like snake like thing or whatever it is attacks the two guys who are left behind, mm. um, during the storm. And then, uh, when, um, Shaw's husband gets infected, uh, and you see the, the worm in the eye, um, yeah. like, yeah, th those, th for me, the more, the more like intimate, sort of you know where like if you're in a suit and there's something in your suit that just, yeah that, that really messes with me um, oh yeah no that that's that was that was scary too i think <laughs> just what what got me about um the bed like the medical pod thing was that i mean it's like everything's going around like okay there's like something that's growing inside of me i need to get it out okay let's go to this automated medical pod which i need to uh, i need to use without actually going under because i don't have enough anesthetic and i need to be alive to get out of the friggin thing right. by the time i take it out and like, oh no it's calibrated for a man i just have to do this manually yeah i'll just set it up manually so that i have to program this machine to do an abortion and then i have to get into this small itty bitty pod extremely claustrophobic which is going to cut me open take out something i have no idea what it's going to look like oh my god it's this horrifying squid monster I'm right, right. god damn it staple me shut staple me shut staple me shut right right that's that's i had to i actually had to close my eyes for like two seconds <laughs> i couldn't take it anymore and like that that is the mark of something that is truly horrifying yeah no i absolutely agree although i will say about that scene that i was a little bit uh, my disbelief was a little bit uh you know came into play a little bit when you know she she recovers from this you know crazy surgery where she had a crazy thing you know ripping oh, yeah. up her insides in like the space of like 30 seconds she's like already yeah. you know she's already yeah, like I, running I, around I, and I she's think in just pain have to but... believe that um future drugs are really really good drugs they must be because she's in pain <laughs> but like she's somehow walking around after having yeah. and essentially in a, a cesarean section which doesn't happen at all you know people are in bed for days afterwards so yeah um, so that's interesting all right cool and i, I also thought it was a, a, a definitely a win uh for ridley scott and i i actually really enjoyed it um i don't know how much i want to see it again because it's so <laughs> It's so like the questions are interesting, but I'm more yeah. like want to see what happens next than I want to see like or think yeah. about it more than I want to like experience the 
it's just yeah. Um, if we, you do see it again, though, I, I highly suggest seeing it in three D. Okay, yeah, definitely. Thank you for uh, for letting me know about that. It, I might end up if I can, you know, just seeing it on a three D television or something when yeah, it comes yeah. out. Could do that. Um, did you? So it, just as a as a um, sort of a summary, would you say that it? Um, do you have any? Do you have like a score or anything that you want to give it out of you know, say ten? Um, or I'm, st- I'm still kind of mulling it over a little bit. Um, I mean, I think if if it doesn't have a sequel, I'll like it more. If it has <laughs> a sequel, I'll like it less. I just um, I've right heard now, rumblings about a sequel, so that's why I brought it up. Yeah. Um. Right now, I'm feeling around an eight point five. All right. Yeah. No, that seems right to me. Actually, that yeah. that seems right about right. All right. Um. So yeah. All right. So there you go. There you have it. Uh. Thanks for listening, and uh. Thank you so much, Ari, for uh, for doing another guest review with me. No problem. Thanks All for right. having me. Have a good one.